Please turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. And as you're turning there, I'll say it. It's a blessing to be with you again. Um, met many of you before, and uh, as uh, I've had opportunity to be here, and um, I bring you greetings uh, from your brothers and sisters at San Antonio Reformed Church. Been blessed to know the Molenkoff family since elementary school, and it uh, goes back quite a few years. And um, and then to reconnect uh, with Daniel after I moved back and started church planting. And lo and behold, the Lord was using him to plant a church as well and uh, to reconnect and uh, rekindle our friendship. And so it's a, been a blessing to hear how the Lord has been working through you uh, in this church, building this church. We know it's his. And we pray for you. We pray for the Lord to continue to grow you up. Uh, yes, in numbers, um, also in your faith and your strength and your unity in Christ. And what a blessing it is uh, that you that the Lord is raising up men that that have a desire to suffer for the sake of the God. Even go to conference this weekend to develop leadership, and uh, it is as it is a sacrifice. And uh, so um, praise God for that, and we pray that their time away this weekend is a great blessing to them and that they return renewed and encouraged to serve with zeal. Um, I've been uh, preaching through the Gospel of John, and so um, I wanted to, to, to zero in this morning as I'm to one particular verse from chapter 14, but I'm going to read the entire chapter for context. Uh, that way I know that no matter uh, what I say, you will have heard God's word. So even if I mess it all up, you know um, this is God's Word. It is living and active, and it will accomplish His purposes for us. So listen now to the Word of the Lord that is inspired by His Holy Spirit. So we say it is inerrant. It is infallible. It is our rule for our faith and life as His people. John chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you'd known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the father. How can you say, show us the father? Do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Get a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I, and now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's pray. Father, we pray you add now your blessing to the reading and preaching of your word, that you would give us illumination by your Holy Spirit, and that you would grow us in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. The events in John chapters 13 through 17 take place over the course of one evening, the night in which Jesus was betrayed. We enter here into the upper room with Jesus and his disciples where he washes their feet. He gives them a powerful call to sacrificial service and it gives them here important last minute instructions before he heads to the cross. Now this morning we're focusing on one verse because it is worthy of taking the time to consider carefully. Jesus says in verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. The place of works in the life of the believer has been hotly debated in church history. There are two primary errors, and although they're on opposite ends of the spectrum, they are equally destructive to the life and the faith of the believer. The first is a works-based salvation that you must in some way earn your way into heaven through your good works, and you must maintain your salvation, your good standing with God through your obedience. Now, this is tempting for us because we want to be self-sufficient. 
We want to take credit for what we do. We want to be in charge of our destiny. We want to be the master of our fate and the captain of our souls. Now, the second error, often referred to as antinomianism, that's the theological term, is the opposite side, saying that your works not only do not have a role in your salvation, but obedience to God's law is not important in our lives as God's people. This has also been referred to in recent years as easy believeism. I'm sure you've met people like this. They believe that I'm okay with God, although I have nothing to do with him or his body or his word or his commandments. They prayed a prayer at some point, truly believe that that is all there is to being a Christian. The truth, however, is in the middle. Between these two errors, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, why do we love God? The Bible tells us we love because he first loved us. That's in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19. We are saved by his grace. And when it comes to our salvation, our works can only hurt us. We have nothing to bring to the table, nothing to bargain with, nothing to earn love, grace from our God. The finished work of Jesus is front and center. So it is through the work of Christ, his merit applied to us, to our account, that we are saved and we receive this through faith. And Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. We're told that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So not only does God's law point our sin, it points us to Jesus and then it gives us a guide for how to live to his glory. What does it look like to be a disciple of Jesus? Simple. Follow him. Obey him. We see in scripture words describing Jesus like master, Lord, king. Those who are in authority expect obedience. Kids, let me ask you a question here. And I'm, I'm used to doing this like response thing with kids in the service, so don't be weirded out by that, please. Um, I know everyone's a little bit different about that. But I kind of grew up in a church where I thought I just tuned out during the sermon and it was for the adults. And so I'm really mindful of that. So I'm like picking on kids sometimes. So it's okay to answer audibly if I ask you a direct question, kids. You won't get in trouble. Um, who is the primary authority God has put in your life? What do you think? Who's the primary authority figure in your life? Well, yes, but who has God put in your life? Jesus is God. Very good. Holy Spirit. Yes, Holy Spirit is God too. We got the whole Trinity here, and that's fantastic. So when you look around, oh, I heard it. Yeah. It's your parents, right? God has given you parents as your primary authority in your life. And so the Bible says 
You're to obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. You guys heard that verse before? I hope so. Good. You're to honor your father and your mother. Adults, you have authorities in your life as well. You have a boss, a supervisor, even if you own your own business. We're all subject to the laws of our city, our state, our country. Whether we like them or not, they're there. The speed limit on the highway says 70 and you decide to go 100. When you see those red and blue flashing lights behind you, the reality of the authority that's been placed over you becomes unmistakably clear. We all have authority. If you live under the authority of man, how much more should you gladly and zealously submit your life to the authority of God? To do what Jesus says here, to keep his commandments. He wants your love, your commitment, your devotion, your obedience to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and to render unto God what is God's. Some may think that it's a horrible burden to live according to God's commandments. You may hear that from friends in the world, people that you know. What? I can't I can't do whatever I want to do. I can't do whatever feels right to me. I can't pursue whatever pleasure that I want in my life. I can't treat others just any old way that I want to. I can't respond according to my flesh when someone cuts me off on the highway. That sounds overly restrictive. Well, listen to what John says in 1 John chapter 5, verses 2-4. through 4. He says, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. See, God's commandments are not burdensome. In fact, when you follow Jesus according to his word, you are actually doing what is best for you. Jesus loves you. He wants the very best for you. He knows what that is even when you don't. Trust him. Obey him. Isn't that what the old hymn says? For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. That is living by faith, walking by faith, pleasing to our Lord. This is what he wants. Parents, isn't this what you want for your children? To obey. You love them. You know what is good for them. And so you... You teach them, you set rules for them in order to keep them safe so that they can they can live and be healthy and be happy. You give them instructions to help them grow up and succeed. You want them to follow your commandments. Kids, I hope you understand this. Do you understand that your parents love you? That they want what's good for you? When, when your parents tell you things like, don't play with fire. Don't run with a knife in your hand. Look both ways before you step out into a street. Do you think it's because they don't want you to have any fun? Or do you think it's because they love you and they don't want you to get hurt? What do you think? 
That's exactly right. It's because they love you. That's true. That's true. God loves you even more than your parents do. Do you realize that? He says, follow me. Obey my commandments because this is what is good for you. This will protect you from the destruction that sin brings into your life. What are the kinds of things that we read about in the Bible that God commands for us? Well, Stay away from sexual immorality, substance abuse, lying, cheating, stealing, rebellion, violence, murder, idolatry, jealousy. I don't know about you, but those sound like pretty good rules to me. Having seen the destruction that comes from these kinds of sin. The way people's lives are brought low and destroyed through enslavement to sin. Kids, let me ask you another question. What are the best kinds of gifts to give to your parents? Is it something that you get at the dollar store or maybe something that you spend time with making with your own hands? Which one do you think they like better? With your own hands. With your own hands. I think you're right. My experience as a parent has been that those are the things that I cherish the most. That nice pair of socks I get at Christmas, yeah, those are good. But those handmade cards and those drawings I get, they stay on my desk forever, long after those socks have holes in them and have to be thrown away. Something that you spend time on, something that you bring from your own heart. The same is true with God. He wants our loving obedience. This is the best thing we can offer up to him with joy. He doesn't primarily want our stuff. Yes, he owns it all. But he is more concerned with your heart and your life. Your every day that you wake up is a gift from God. Because you know that's why we call it the present. Because it's a gift. Not really. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he's going to come back to this in, in uh, chapter 15, verse 10. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. A life of love is a life of obedience, living in harmony with Jesus as he lives in perfect harmony with the father. The call to loving obedience comes to us again in 2 John chapter 1, verse 6. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you've heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. Our walk, our life as we move step by step in whatever we do needs to be according to to his commandments, it needs to be according to his word. Our thoughts, our desires, our words, our deeds, what we look at, what we read, what we consume in our minds and our hearts, what we meditate on, is to line up with God's desires, his character, his commandments. If we do not keep his commandments, if we have no desire to live for him, that calls into question 
our love for him. John addresses this in 1 John chapter 2, verses 3-6. through 6. And by this we know that we've come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Following in his footsteps, right? We talked about that earlier. Being a disciple, following after Jesus, seeking to pattern our life after him. Of course, this can only be done by his grace. This can only be done by the work of his spirit in our heart. And yet he calls us. Follow me. Come to me. Find rest. Take my yoke upon you. It's, it's easy. My burden is light. Why is, why is the yoke of Jesus easy? Because he has shouldered the entire load. Jesus paid it all. There's nothing for us to add to it. And so when we receive it, it is a yoke that gives us rest, not more work. Following him as his disciple is not work. It's joy. It's love. It's fellowship with our Father and our Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the mark of a true disciple is love for one another. He said that's how the world will know. You're my disciples if you have love for one another. If you claim to be in Jesus, you need to live like Jesus. Living contrary to him calls into question your love for him. The world is watching. The world delights in pointing out our hypocrisy. And they're right to do so when we do not walk according to the word. Who is your master? Who do you serve? Who do you obey? Who do you love? Jesus calls you to trust and obey. He says he's loved you from before the foundations of the world. He's told you how to live in his love. He has given you commandments, rules, directions, guidelines, boundaries to protect you from the certain pain, destruction, and death that comes from sin. If you love him, listen to him. Learn what is pleasing to him. Pursue him. Keep his commandments. Live for his glory. May the Spirit grow you in love for God and for one another. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, especially this portion from John chapter 14. We pray that you would protect us from the errors that have led people astray in church history, from both a a false understanding of, of works righteousness that we could in any way earn our salvation from you, but also from a, 
a standpoint that's antinomian, that is against your law, against serving you and living for your glory. We pray that we would be those who keep your commandments in Jesus, knowing that you have given them to us out of love because you know what we need. You know what is good for us. And so we thank you for giving us your word, our rule for faith and life. And we pray you would fill our hearts with thankfulness for your grace, for the salvation you have freely given to us in Jesus, so that we will have zeal to serve you with joy, not reluctantly, not because we just feel we have to, but because we want to. We want to glorify you, Father. And so that you would use us to bring glory to your name and our lives as your people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.